I talk a lot about envisioning. I learned this lesson the hard way. And nine months into the new job that I had gotten, my boss called me into the office. He said, Adam, the team's being eliminated and you have a few months to find a new job or leave Google. Welcome to the Midland Money Mindset. This is a podcast that's all about getting your mind right when it comes to all things money. In every episode, we go deep with engaging guests who provide tangible takeaways and a whole lot of joy along the way. I hope you enjoy these conversations as much as I enjoyed having them. Let's dive into today's show. I'm Larry Sprung, your host for the Midland Money Mindset and founder and wealth advisor of Midland Financial. Today's guest is Adam Cuello, host of the Mindful Fire podcast. The Mindful Fire podcast is a show about crafting a life you love and making work optional using mindfulness, envisioning, and financial independence. Adam believes crafting a life you love starts with answering the question, what do I truly want, and helps people answer it so they can start living the life they dream right away. Adam's insight comes out of his own personal experience. He nearly lost his dream job at Google, and the worst part is it was kind of his own fault. Luckily, Adam realized the issue and identified the negative stories he was telling himself and the impact it had on how he showed up and the actions he took. This is when Adam put his brain's power to work, practicing a new, more useful story that allowed him to overcome the challenge, which allowed him to stay at Google and experience great success. For the last 13 years, Adam has worked in sales at Google, where in addition to his core role, he's taught mindfulness, envisioning, and emotional intelligence to over 2,500 Googlers around the world. Listen in for some great takeaways about Adam's journey to realizing his own challenges, overcoming them, and now helping thousands of others do the same. Well, I have the pleasure of being with Adam Cuello today. He's the host of the Mindful Fire podcast. It's a pleasure to have you here, Adam. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Larry. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, thanks. So listen, I want to kick off. I want our listeners to understand a little bit about your background. Tell us a little bit. Who is Adam Cuello? It's a big question. There's a lot of aspects of my life, but I think I'd say that the thing I'm most excited about and passionate about right now is helping people craft a life they love and make work optional using mindfulness, envisioning, and financial independence. That's what my podcast, The Mindful Fire Podcast, is all about, bringing together mindfulness and financial independence. And really, at the essence, I'm helping people to answer the question, what do you actually want your life to look like? And then using the power of your predictive brain to start to make that happen in your life, because what you pay attention to creates your reality. Great stuff. Yeah. I mean, listen, financial independence, Midland Financial, Midland Money Mindset, direct tie. We help people answer, what did you do today that brought you joy? So I align with your question as well, and we'll learn what brought you joy today in a little bit here. But I want people to understand a little bit about how you got to this point, right? And one of those, I think, defining moments that brought you here was your time spent at Google. You've been there for 12 years, and then there was 
an inflection point that we're aware of. Can you share with our listeners what brought you to this point and kind of what that aha moment for you at Google was? I've spent most of my career at Google going on 13 years now. And Unfortunately, what brought me here is learning the lesson that our stories and what we pay attention to create our reality the hard way. In essence, I personal experience, right? Yeah, the school (laughs) of hard knocks, unfortunately. About five or so years into Google, I got an opportunity to be on a experimental team that I had been trying to get into for a long time, basically helping website publishers improve their user experience to help them grow their small businesses. And at the same time, I was also pursuing my dream of being an entrepreneur outside of Google. So I had my day job and I had my side hustle, which still I have going. It's just a different side hustle. I had this belief, this conviction that in this on-the-side project I was working on, I was going to build a business and I was going to leave Google. And leaving Google was the goal and what I considered success. So I had this story that success equals quitting Google. And I took it a step further. I told anyone who would listen, if I get promoted at Google again, I have failed because that means I haven't built this business. As ridiculous as that sounds, that's what I was telling myself every day. When things started to happen within the job and challenges came up, I was not ready to address them because I thought, oh, I'm going to quit anyways. Like success equals quitting Google. Wasn't important. So I wasn't really dealing with that. And not surprisingly, I nearly envisioned myself right out of a job. I talk a lot about envisioning. I learned this lesson the hard way. And nine months into the new job that I had gotten, my boss called me into the office. He said, Adam, The team's being eliminated and you have a few months to find a new job or leave Google. Obviously, not the best news you ever want to hear, but I had to find a job. So I started interviewing internally, externally, and despite many good late stage interviews, I got to 30 days before the deadline with a total of zero job offers. Now I really started freaking out and I realized I had this like rock bottom moment. This was absolutely rock bottom around the same time my project on the side was also crashing and burning. I was basically building a SaaS solution and realized this thing already exists. So both of these things crumbling at the same time. And I remember this moment, I'm sitting in Golden Gate Park in San Francisco, and I realized what I'm doing is not working, right? I need to step back. I need to think differently. I need to choose a new mindset because whatever's happening is just not working. And I thought back to when I learned this concept of envisioning in a program that I now teach, Search Inside Yourself. It's an emotional intelligence mindfulness course at Google. I remembered this idea, getting clear on what you actually want. That's the core of envisioning. It's getting clear on what you actually want your life to look like. I decided, okay, I have nothing to lose. Let me try this. I want to be on a team. I want to have a job that pays me well, that does work that matters with nice and interesting people I respect and kind of on and on. And then I remembered this practice I had learned, affirmations practice, which is essentially choosing a new mindset and then saying that mindset out loud. So I chose the world is abundant with opportunity because I wanted to see that in my job search. So I'd say it out loud. I'd visualize in the past, the present, and the future. 
I'd see in my mind times in the past when that was true, times in the present, and then I'd kind of fast forward that into the future, and amazing things started to happen. It was almost like it was magic. People started reaching out to me. My team has headcount. Oh, you should go talk to this company. I just started taking action, right? Another belief I was practicing was I don't worry about doing things right or wrong. I just take action, which sees a learning, progress, and growth. And long story short, I ended up finishing that 30 days with not one, but two job offers, one internal, one external. And I took the one at Google. Not surprisingly, I've been there 12 years, but here's what's happening, right? Like this wasn't magic, right? These opportunities coming up. It was like when you get a new car, right? And suddenly that car is everywhere. Or when my wife was pregnant, I was seeing pregnant women and babies everywhere. And it's not because there are more Subarus in my case are babies. It's that my mind was ready to see it because I was priming my mind in that way. So really, that is what was going on here. And when I look back on the whole thing, I realized that, first of all, I created the situation for myself. The story that I was telling myself that success equaled quitting Google got me exactly what I asked for. They quit me, essentially. And It also got me through that time. So that, as you said, is a real inflection point for me, where from that rock bottom moment, this whole new chapter of my life where I became a facilitator for that program I mentioned, where I started creating my own envisioning workshops and mindfulness and resilience workshops, which I now teach inside Google and outside Google. I've taught 2,500 Googlers around the world these things. All of this grew out of this very difficult time and everything I'm doing with the podcast, this whole new kind of focus for my life really grew out of that really desperate situation where I was like literally 30 days from getting shown the door. It's truly amazing what our minds can do and so little we know about them that putting those thoughts and envisioning. So you kind of led me to where I wanted to talk next, right? So you kind of ascertained a new role in Google. You realized that this was something that was very meaningful to you, envisioning, really helped you, encouraged you, something that you were going to continue to do and then work with other Googlers to do that. And then even outside of Google. So Out of that also came the Mindfulness Fire podcast. So tell us what that's about. You alluded to it and kind of touched on it a moment ago, but what is the show about and what made you start it? And what are the takeaways that you're looking for people who are listening to the show to walk away and say, wow, this is something I can implement and really start utilizing for myself like Adam did? It all grew out of that moment where I realized, wow, this is like powerful. Our minds are powerful. I can choose a new story to create a new reality. And then I use that to get promoted twice since then and to create this podcast and to create these workshops. All these things kind of came out of that moment. So the Mindful Fire podcast is really my exploration of two major passions of mine, mindfulness, as we talked about, and financial independence. Ultimately, the show is all about crafting a life you love and making work optional using mindfulness, envisioning, and financial independence. So it's kind of the intersection of financial independence, retire early movement, and doing it in a more intentional and mindful way. And what I found is that a lot of people, they get this number in their mind. They say, when I have $2 million, I'll be good. Everything will be great. It's what I call the if-only mindset. 
If only I had enough money to retire. If only I could, in my case, teach mindfulness and get paid for it. All these things. We have these stories in our mind. And what this podcast is about is like, you don't need to wait to start living this life. You can actually just get clear on what you actually want and start taking the steps now to test those things with what I call mini experiments. The podcast is really a mini experiment for me. It started three years ago in the pandemic when seemingly everyone started a podcast. <laughs> yeah, but yours is still around. A lot of those it's are not true. around any longer. Yeah, I think there's like some stat that most people don't make it past like 10 episodes. Yeah, I mean, my mind started similarly in the pandemic. Also, it was something I was working on for two years prior, but I think yours and mine are probably a couple of the few that are still around because a lot of them have fallen off the radar. It is a lot of work, as you know. For me, it started as I'm pursuing financial independence as much as I like Google, it's not my life's work, right? So let me figure out what I want to do after I quote unquote retire early, right? I think about it as reprioritize early. So I thought I wanted to be a mindfulness teacher, right? I had this whole aspect of my career at Google that was becoming in the mindfulness space. And I was like, oh, maybe I want to do that. So the first few episodes are just explorations with people who do teach mindfulness for a living. What is it like? Do they make any money? Do I want to be doing this? And what I learned very quickly is they don't make a lot of money and I don't necessarily want to be doing that full time. It's just created this opportunity for me to connect with people, to share interesting stories, to really get clear on what I want and test what I think I want. That's really the goal. And what I want people to take away is that you can do that too. And it doesn't have to be all or nothing. And really, all it starts with is asking yourself a question, which is, what do you actually want? I think the only thing I would say is, if you're one of those people that's thinking, if I had, for example, in your example, $2 million, I would. The only thing I would suggest, and where we come in and where we work with families is, you may have this sense that X number of dollars are going to be what's going to allow you to do those things and give you that financial freedom. But it's really vitally important to make sure that you have a plan in place that's going to, that those dollars are actually going to support those dreams and goals that you're thinking about. Because you think about like the old adage, you need a million dollars for retirement. Well, that might've been true 20 or 30 years ago. I think the vast majority of folks, especially if you live in like the high expense areas like New York, California, a million dollars is not going to be typically sufficient for those families to retire on. So it's important to know what that number is. But again, using the mind, we can accomplish anything, which I think is really the point. Like you, I often talk about living a life by design, not by default. I think that is important. I think a lot of folks are just going with the flow. They're kind of taking life's blows as they go, and they're kind of living it on somebody else's terms. So one of the parts of what you kind of talk about is living this life by design, not by default. How do you suggest people start crafting a life by design and the life that they desire? Where do they begin? I think it really all begins with self-awareness, right? That's why I'm so passionate about mindfulness. I think it's the best way to start to develop greater self-awareness. And that's because 
for those who might not know the definition of mindfulness, I mean, it's kind of all in the popular media, right? But kind of can be anything from breathing to solving every problem you ever had, depending on who you ask. What it really is simply is paying attention on purpose in the present moment, non-judgmentally. I like to think about it as bringing a kind, curious awareness towards yourself and whatever's going on in your head, in your body, in your environment. Let's talk about that for a second then. So if I'm somebody who wants to start living a life by design, I want to start being intentional about what I'm doing. You're saying mindfulness is a key component of that, if not the component of that. So if I'm not mindful right now, right, and I'm not doing these types of things that get me into that mindset, for lack of a better word, are there specific exercises, things that I can be doing that I could start to move into that mindfulness mode, so to speak, that our listeners can take away and start doing either later today or tomorrow? Yeah, absolutely. Right now, they can try that. So just for those listening, I would just invite you to take a moment to feel your breath coming in and going out. So just take a deep breath in and out, right? And that in itself, paying attention in that way with a curiosity, like, well, what does it feel like? What does my breath actually feel like in my body right now? That is mindfulness, right? Kind, curious awareness, right? I want to take a quick break from the show to talk to you about our latest best-selling book, Financial Planning Made Personal. It breaks down complex financial concepts into simple, easy-to-follow steps that anyone can understand. Everyone has a unique financial journey, and this book can help yours. Do you have your copy yet? If not, please go to financialplanningmadepersonal.com and order one today. And I have one more question for you. What did you do today that brought you joy? So is meditation a form of mind? Because it sounds very, I meditate 10, 20 minutes a day, right? Not a lot. I've kind of gotten myself into it. I used to not be able to do it at all. And I've kind of eased myself into it. Is meditation a form of mindfulness or are they one in the same? It's a good question and often conflated for sure. They're related, but not the same. So mindfulness is a capacity. It's a capability that we all have to some degree to observe what's happening, notice the judgments as just thoughts rather than buying into them. So just noticing anything with kind, curious awareness. Meditation is mental training. You can think of meditation like exercise, right? You can train different parts of your body, your physical body with different types of exercises. Similarly, the mental training that meditation is, you can do different types of meditation to train different capacities of mind. So you can do mindfulness meditation to train the ability to be mindful, but you can also do like a body scan, for instance, which helps you cultivate awareness of sensations and emotions in the body, which is training a different capacity of mind. What I like to practice is mindfulness meditation, which is essentially just sitting, focusing on your breath like I just had you do, noticing when your mind wanders, and then having a kind, curious awareness to what's arising, right? Often it will be, 
I'm doing this wrong. My mind's all over the place. What am I going to have for lunch? Yeah. To your point, I used to sit there and try to do guided meditation. And I was like, man, this isn't working. I'm not really focused on what they're saying. I'm not doing this. My mind's wandering here or there. And it wasn't until a lot of people I spoke with about it said, that's normal. What you'll end up doing is learning to, when your mind wanders, bringing it back to where you should be. And I've been able to do that over time. There's a lot of things that we could do to be mindful, right? Like you said, taking that break, taking a couple of deep breaths, maybe just walking outside, taking a deep breath also, different scenery, different environment. What do you see as some of the biggest pullbacks from people or challenges that people have when starting to try to be more mindful? And are there ways to overcome those roadblocks, if you will? Absolutely. I think what you described, getting started with meditation, right? You can call it mindfulness meditation. A lot of people have that experience. I had that experience and I actually gave up when I first started. I was like a couple of weeks. In, I did like, three times yeah, until this I- This is not for me. Yeah, right? same, same. Most people have that experience. I've taught 2,500 Googlers. This comes up again and again and again. People that listen to podcasts again and again, it comes up. I think the antidote to that is knowing that it's going to happen, expecting that your mind is going to wander. I've been meditating for 10 years. My mind wanders like crazy most of the session. When I sit, most of the session. And that's going to happen for most people. So I would expect it. That for me was like, wow, okay. It's not a problem. It's actually the practice. And realizing that each time your mind wanders, and you notice with that kindness and that curiosity, and you bring it back, that is training your ability to be mindful. Every time that is the practice. So number one, expect it to happen. Number two, be kind and compassionate with yourself as it happens. And realize all those things are just thoughts. They're going to seem really important. They're just thoughts. I once went on a 10-day silent meditation retreat, and I spent nine and a half days convinced I was doing it wrong, not even realizing that those were just thoughts. When I was thinking about what we were going to have for lunch or the fact that we didn't get dinner, that, that was obviously a distraction and thoughts. But these other ones, they seemed special. The more I realized these are just thoughts, the less power they had over me and the more I was able to kind of bring this mindfulness capacity into my everyday life and interactions. I tried on and off several times and it took me many people saying, what you're experiencing is normal. Just continue doing it and you'll see the benefits of it. And I have, which is good. You've taught these 2,500 Googlers, right? I think it's pretty well known what the culture and the environment work-wise and the pressure that takes place at Google. I think that's pretty well known. So probably no different at Google being an employee compared to many of our listeners who are entrepreneurs and business people. There's a lot of similar pressures and time demands. How do you recommend that people who are in those roles where high demand, very busy, family life, work life, how do they integrate? Are there a couple of practical tips on how they can integrate mindfulness into their busy, busy lives? Yeah, there's a few things. When we talk about mindfulness or learn it, there's the formal practice and then the informal practice or the on the cushion and off the cushion, so to speak. So I would say having a daily 
ish, a daily ish meditation practice. Cause having a lot going on in my life, I'm striving for daily ish these days <laughs> is valuable. So that can be five minutes, three minutes. It doesn't have to be a lot. The way I would suggest somebody do that is tie that new habit to a habit that you already have, right? This is one of the great concepts that have been taught in habit formation, really prominent in James Clear's Atomic Habits, which is a fantastic book. I'm sure many of your listeners have read that. Tie it to something you already do. So if it's just like, as you get out of bed, take a minute to breathe in and out as you put your feet on the floor, or maybe after you go to the gym, or a nice time to do it is like as a transition. So like if you drive to work, when you park your car, before you get out of the car, spend one minute, two minutes doing breaths before you come back into the house at night. Like those are perfect times because you can create like a reset. It does feel like a reset when, when you have a lot going on. We often use this metaphor that our minds are like a snow globe that's constantly being shaken up and agitated. And giving yourself the gift of a few moments of mindfulness is like setting that snow globe down on the table, allowing things to settle so you can see more clearly what's going on inside. And so this is a perfect thing to do when you're feeling overwhelmed or when you're transitioning from one thing to another. So that's the formal practice. The informal practice is just in the moment when you notice that you are worked up or at the start of a meeting as you're about to dial into the next Zoom meeting, just take a few deep breaths. Even that can give you a, a sense of feeling reset and refreshed. Those are kind of the way that I would counsel people to try to build it in. And really, the best meditation is the one you'll actually do. So start small. You don't need to do 10 minutes. You don't need to do 20 an hour. After that retreat I was on, they're like, oh, yeah, do one hour in the morning, one hour in the evening. I'm like, I don't think so. I don't think that's yeah. going to happen. Yeah, I think the big takeaway here is for those busy folks out there, we didn't hear that you need to dedicate an hour or two hours. It's literally minutes, right? If you could carve out 10, great. But if you can only do it in two and weave it into your existing routine, it's very easy. I don't see a reason why anybody and everybody who's listening or out there couldn't practice mindfulness in even a small way. It's something that's very easily attainable for all. So as you've mentioned throughout, this is something mindfulness has been talked about consistently and constantly. There's a lot of information out there talked about the benefits and designing your own life. But looking ahead, what do you envision the future of mindfulness to be? And what do you see the impact? I know this is kind of a big picture thing, but what do you envision its potential impact on individuals and society as a whole if they adopt this? I think it's a very big, lofty goal. It's hard to anticipate that. It's hard to think that that will happen. I hope so. I'd say there'd be just a lot more kindness. For me, it's an enabler of self-awareness. For a long time, I'd say like first 26 or 27 years of my life, I was completely unaware of the stream of negative self-talk going through my mind constantly, that inner critic just going through my head. And when I set that snow globe down, when I started to develop mindfulness, it allowed me to see those thoughts as just thoughts, see those stories and ask a question, is this useful? 
And when I noticed something that wasn't useful, I could just let it go. And that allowed me to get to know myself better, to bring more self-compassion to myself and the way I show up in the world. I think that that is available for anybody. We have a lot more space and patience with those around us. What I'm focused on is kind of the pairing of mindfulness envisioning and financial independence to allow people to create a life that they love and that they want to live. And I think that the potential benefit of that, both knowing yourself, creating a vision for what you want your life to look like, and then using and creating financial independence to pay for that life. I think you just create a situation where you have a lot of people who are living a life that's fully aligned with their purpose. And that I think could create a multiplier effect where imagine if everyone was out there able to live what they most cared about, not just going through the motions of paying the bills because they need to pay the bills. Yeah. Well, they can, they just have to dedicate and put some effort yeah. into doing that. Right. It's not like right. they can't. Everybody everyone has everybody, the opportunity. Right. Everybody can. When I hear you talk about that, that resonates with me because we talk about the three-legged stool all the time, which is financial health, mental health, and physical health being extremely tied and all these things. It's very similar to what you're talking about as far as the financial independence, the mindfulness, et cetera. Those are all directly tied to each other. And if you can score each of those a 10, you're going to be in great shape. If you're lacking in an area, it's going to have effects on the remaining two areas. So it's important. And I think mindfulness is very key. And the fact that you're helping people through this is amazing, not only on the mindfulness side, but the financial independence side as well. Because like I said, those two things go hand in hand for sure. Well, Adam, it's been a pleasure having you on. And we ask each of our guests the same last question, which I mentioned earlier, because we ask a different question than you ask on your show. But that is, what did you do today that brought you joy and put you in the right mindset for success? I'd have to say I got my enormous Dunkin' Donuts coffee (laughs) with my Dunkin' Donuts koozie here. That certainly put me in the right mindset for success with the caffeine. But I mean, I got to take my son to camp today. As I said, we got to listen to The Alchemist on the way over, which is a favorite book of mine, and it's cool to share that with him. And then earlier in the week brought me a lot of joys. I got to go to a Bruce Springsteen concert with my wife, and we just had a wonderful time. It was a lot better than I even expected. I'm not a huge Bruce fan, but I live in New Jersey, so it's kind of required. Right. We had a wonderful time. If you're not a Bruce fan, you have to say you're a Bruce fan if you live in New Jersey, for sure. So, yeah. So, listen, that's great. Enjoy that time with your son. I remember and used to treasure driving my kids to school every day because we had 10, 15 minutes of just us time where we talk about just about anything. I miss those days now that they're both out of the house. So treasure those. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. We're going to have all of your information in our show notes. But if people want to learn more about your podcast, learn more about you, learn more about mindfulness, what's the easiest and the best place for them to go and do that? Thank you for having me, Larry. It's a pleasure to be here with you. For anyone who wants to get started in crafting a life they love, really what it starts with is answering the question, what do you actually want, right? Sitting down, creating some space to think big about your life. Envisioning is all about thinking big about your life. I created an envisioning guide for your audience that helps them do this in a way that we don't usually do it. 
right? We usually envision the future for ourselves within the constraints of what we already have. And I really teach it in a way that allows people to set those aside for a moment, right? Just all the normal things of what's possible, reasonable, rational, all these things, set it aside for a minute and think really, really big because that's when you're going to start getting inspired. That's when you're going to start feeling that pull towards something to work towards, right? Because money is great, but it's a tool. People can download that free envisioning guide at mindfulfire.org slash mitlin, mindfulfire.org slash M-I-T-L-I-N. And they can download that free envisioning guide and start thinking really big about their life and understanding how the way that your brain works allows you to do that to start making that happen and start living into that right now. Great. Thanks, Adam. Thanks for sharing that. We'll have all of your information and that information in the show notes. Everybody go check out that envisioning guide. And if you have any other questions, comments, et cetera, reach out to Adam. Great person. He's worked with over 2,500 Googlers on this same topic and great resource. Thank you so much for your time and please enjoy the day. Thank you so much, Larry. You too. I want to thank Adam Cuello for being a guest on the Midland Money Mindset. Adam was on the verge of losing one of the most rewarding careers ever and was lucky enough to realize it before it was too late. His insight and personal reflection allowed him to overcome and persevere. Adam is now taking what he learned and helping thousands of fellow Googlers, entrepreneurs, and people do the same so they can live their best lives too. Adam Cuello and the Mindful Fire podcast can be found across most social media platforms as well as podcast players. All of the contact information needed to find them can be found in the show notes. Thank you for joining us this week on the Midland Money Mindset. Make sure you visit our website at midlandmoneymindset.com and smash the subscribe button so you don't miss a show. We encourage you to help others find our valuable content and please don't keep us a secret. You can also schedule an Is There a Fit call right from our website or by using the link that you'll find in the description section of your podcast player or app. And be sure to join us for our next episode to learn more about getting your mind right when it comes to all things money. The opinions voiced in the Midland Money Mindset Show with Lawrence Sprung are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. No strategy ensures success or protects against loss. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial or tax advisor prior to investing. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor. Guests on the Midland Money Mindset Show are not affiliated with CWM LLC.